Ladies and gentlemen, please take your seats. The show is about to begin. The film which you are about to see is an account of the tragedy which befell a group of five youths, in particular, Sally Hardesty and her invalid brother, Franklin. It is all the more tragic in that they were young. But had they lived very, very long lives, they could not have expected nor would they have wished to see as much of the mad and macabre as they were to see that day. For them, an idyllic summer afternoon drive became a nightmare. The events of that day were to lead to the discovery of one of the most bizarre crimes in the annals of American history, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Good evening, and welcome to our special Halloween edition of Three Guys in a Flick. This is where we review the good, the bad, and the horribly absurd. For the next four weeks, we will be reviewing some of our favorite horror movie classics and their remakes, doing a little comparing and contrasting, picking our favorites, and having some fun discussions about the films that changed the landscape of horror movies forever. Tonight's episode, 1974's The Texas Chainsaw Massacre and the 2003 Remake. Beware, spoilers. Coming to you from the boiler room, one, two, I'm coming for you. My name is Don. And to my right, the guy guaranteed to haunt your dreams, this is John. Glad to be here. And to my left, the guy most likely to have a basement full of dead bodies, the professor, Ken. (laughs) I thought if we agreed that we weren't going to talk about that. And tonight we have a special guest, one of our fans who recommended the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Ken's Hellspawn. This is TJ. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to the show, buddy. It's good to be here. Good. He's officially our first guest. I know. A Texas Chainsaw Massacre comes on a recommendation from TJ. So, hey, TJ, why did you recommend the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? I recommended the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, because uh, we sort of popped the first time I saw it, I we sort of popped it on randomly, and I had been interested in it. I had heard about it, and I already like horror movies, and I had very low expectations going into it. I was just kind of like, "All right, I'm just gonna watch this movie," and I liked how the movie lulled me into this false sense of security. Like there's this very creepy and ominous opening, but then we spend a long time on the road, and it's very like I don't know, like I don't know if aloof is the right word. But it doesn't appear to be going in any direction. Like these teens are going out, and then all of a sudden they come across Leatherface in broad daylight, and it just goes to shit so quickly. Yeah. And it feels so real, too. There's like a quality about it that almost makes it feel like a snuff film. There's nothing glamorous about it, and the movie just keeps going. What I also really like uh, about it is I think it's like the most realistic horror ending. Because there's the last survivor who gets away, like, laughing maniacally just at her, you know, sheer luck. Um, and I feel like every other, like, I feel like every other horror movie kind of ends with either, like, a last scare or, like, all the characters being like, oh, we, we defeated it and now everything's going to be better and, like, we acquired the bonds of friendship along the way or something. Sure. And this movie ends in a way that I think every horror movie would realistically end where someone is coming out of that experience completely traumatized, you know, by 
just the sheer madness of it all. And it truly was madness. Uh, it's an, like an audiovisual assault, especially towards the end. And I just, I thought that that was so cool. Well, you're not wrong on a lot of those points. Um, realistically, yeah, I'm sure that's the way uh, a lot of horror movies would. And I wouldn't say all of them would end that way, but I understand what you're saying. And yeah, it happens in broad daylight and that had never been done and still really hasn't been done. Every horror movie you watches uh, at night. And it's been a long time since I've seen this film. I know I definitely didn't see it when it was released because it was released the year I was born. So there you go. I had to see it on VHS. When I first watched it, it was like watching a snuff film and the way Toby Hooper made it and just everything about it. And the production was hell, this, that, and the other. And we'll get into all that. But, you know, uh, as kind of one of the first of its kind, uh, not too shabby, not too shabby at all. Uh, Professor, have you ever seen this? Yeah, uh, TJ and I, we watched it probably a year ago. Oh, was that the first time you'd seen it? Yes. Yeah, first time I'd seen it. And I have to say, I was very impressed by the movie. It is a uh, unique viewing experience. It is one of the few horror movies I can think of, or actually maybe even the only the horror movie that I would refer to as It Feels Raw. It is such a different uh, cinematic experience than other horror movies. It is unique in that way, and it just feels genuine. You've seen this before, haven't you? Actually, I think this may have been my very first time watching the original. I'd seen bits and pieces of it here and there. Mm -hmm. And I think I'd never really gotten through it before because I always found it kind of disturbing and annoying. Um, Just wasn't the kind of style of movie I liked. It just made me feel irritated. But then going back and watching this and reading a little bit about it, it's exactly what the director wanted. He wanted people to feel irritated and tense and uncomfortable while watching it for a fact of like he would cut these or he would use these long intense scenes and then immediately go to shortcuts right after the intense scenes just so you'd feel uncomfortable. He'd use people screaming constantly and squealing and animal noises and things like that in the background to create that tension and that that feeling that you just wanted to get through that part. Um, so understanding that that's what he was going for, I can see some of the the brilliance in this movie. Yeah, yeah. I think also maybe it wasn't a musical, and so he didn't like well, it as much. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was it was it wasn't musical. a musical, and you know it was predictable. Oh, a hundred percent predictable. You saw the ending as soon as it started. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, yeah. I well, wish, the story I, has been done. So. I wish you could see John's face, viewers. <laughs> listeners. 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 I wish you could see John's face. Uh, no, you don't. Uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, 1974. It was released on October 11th, 1974. Directed by Toby Hooper. Written by Kim Henkel and Toby Hooper. It stars Marilyn Burns, Paul A. Partan, Edwin Neal, Jim Cito, Gunnar Hansen, and it was narrated by John Larroquette. It was made for $140,000 and took home $40 million. So not too bad on the return, I suppose. Impressive. And that yeah. return spawned a whole lot of sequels. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, raise of hands just so you don't have to embarrass yourself in front of our listeners. How many people have seen the sequels? You, you, dude, you haven't even seen this one, I so know. I don't buy I it. I, I, don't, I don't believe you. 
So just me and TJ, huh? All right. Well, guess what, guys? You're not missing much. And uh, TJ and I are dumber than you guys. So I guess I guess that's where it goes. You you remember the quote from the movie, the original, the guy who's upside down at the the graveyard. I've seen things. <laughs> who is? I actually, I didn't really read much into that little moment, but you pointing it out the other night, rewatching it, I was like, that's actually like a really, really cool angle. And oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I always sort of read it as like a very ominous moment in the opening, where it's sort of like, ah, like the town's a little kooky. You know, I feel like you kind of expect that in every horror movie. Either the characters get to a gas station and someone at the gas station is weird or they get into town and, like, people are just sort of talking to them with, like, leading dialogue, like, don't get lost in the woods or whatever. But instead we get this guy at the graveyard with our characters for the first time who's got, like, this beer bottle in his hand and he's upside down in this chair and he's framed in a way that's, like, focusing your attention. And it's almost like he's, like, delivering, like, an omen to to the audience. Yeah, for sure. Our, our first piece of trivia, what was John Larroquette paid with to do the narration for this movie? A big, fat joint. Yep. He agreed to do that opening narration for a marijuana joint. Yeah, he was paid with a joint. That's pretty cool. And think about it. it the, the narration is what? 10 seconds, 30 seconds? Mm-hmm. You know? Do it a couple times. The following picture. He yeah. says he's never even seen the movie. I heard that too somewhere. Yeah, it is crazy, all the more it? tragic that they were young. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Uh, He's got a great voice, Larry Cat. You know, I didn't realize. I had heard that he had done. He also does the narration in the remake too, mm-hmm. but it doesn't sound like him so much in the I beginning. I just thought it was opening. a straight audio rip. I think it was. Like, That's what I thought too. No, yeah. he came back for it. Oh. oh, he did well because they don't say the same thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. not by any. He did, adds to it. Okay, and let me ask you a question. Did you watch the remake? We did. Oh, good. I okay. Instantly forgot about it because it's that bad. Yeah, we'll get there. And actually, I <laughs> again, would, again, you're not wrong. Okay. The, can I say one thing about the 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 sequels and the remakes? Sure. The one that we watched was not as bad as Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two. Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two is horrendously bad, but we can talk about that later. I think when it's bad, it's bad. Okay. And then there's also New Beginning or something like that. Those are prequels. I wouldn't. Those. Yeah, I I actually after watching both of these movies, the original and the remake, I went and watched that recent uh, Leatherface like prequel. Did you really? Why? By, I know. <laughs> By choice. And and I thought, okay, well maybe it'll help make a little more sense of the movies. Well, really? No. It no. Avoid it. Oh no, my god. It is okay. So bad. First of all, I, I have so many problems with that sentence you just said. <laughs> make sense of what? What do you what do you want made sense of? I like to know the bad guy's origin a little bit. I like he to wants know closure in his stories. Yeah. What I, the fuck? He's a fucking psycho, bud. You get that from the moment you see him. What more do you want? Do you want to know why he was why yeah. he's a psycho? He's traumatized. Does it make it better for you? Not at all. Okay, well then you give me a headache. Dude. I just wanted to give <laughs> listeners a good warning that no, you do not need to go see that movie and it'll actually hurt more if you do. Yeah. Fucking A, yeah. Uh, I don't know if anything is bad as Leatherface, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3. Mm. But anyways, Sally, her paraplegic brother Franklin, and their friends Jerry, Kirk, and Pam visit the grave of Sally's grandfather to investigate reports of vandalism and grave robbing. Afterwards, they decide to visit the old family's homestead. Along the way, they pick up a hitchhiker. After having a tense issue with the deranged hitchhiker, the group kicks him out and eventually stops at a gas station to refill their vehicle. 
but the proprietor tells them that the pumps are empty. They continue toward the homestead. When they arrive, Kirk and Pam wander off and stumble upon a nearby house. Kirk enters the house and Leatherface suddenly appears and kills him with a hammer. Pam enters soon after and when she attempts to flee, Leatherface catches her and impales her on a meat hook. Jerry heads out to look for Pam and Kirk. After he enters the house, Leatherface kills him as well. With darkness falling, Sally and Franklin set out to find their friends. As they near the neighboring house and call out, Leatherface lunges from the dark and kills Franklin with a chainsaw. Sally runs toward the house. She escapes from Leatherface and runs back to the gas station. The proprietor calms her and then ties her and gags her and forces her into his truck. He drives to the house, arriving at the same time as the hitchhiker, now revealed as Leatherface's brother. The men torment the bound and gag Sally. After a struggle, Sally breaks free and flees to the road. Leatherface and the hitchhiker give chase, but the latter is run over and killed by a passing truck. The truck driver flees and Sally escapes in the back of a passing pickup truck as Leatherface swings his chains on the air in anger and defeat. End movie. So yeah, that is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre in a nutshell. What'd you like about the movie there, Professor? I really enjoyed the uh, the uneasiness that we get uh, picking up the hitchhiker, listening to his uh, slaughterhouse stories, and um, having uh, one of the characters being a paraplegic you realize that somebody is instantly helpless in this movie and it is most likely not going to play out well. I, I think it, it does a really nice job at setting the stage for something ominous coming. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, TJ, what would you like about it? Uh, everything about it. I, I think it's just a perfect movie. I love the title. I love the intro. I, I love, like, after the opening narration, like, the, the almost like the mini short of the camera clicking and the noise. It's like, Oh, it's just creepy. And it instantly just puts you in like an uncomfortable state. And, uh, the movie just goes from there. And it, I just think it sets its tone perfectly. And the movie that fall, like the editing is so good. It just like, it keeps you like sort of like what John was saying in a constant state of tension. The soundtrack in this movie is also like really, like I really dig the audio direction that they go in. Because they're using like a lot of like industrial noises and pigs and like I would almost describe it as like an ambient soundtrack, but it's got like ah, there's there's just it feels raw, sort of like what you're saying as well, uh, Professor. Um, and I really like the casting in this movie. I think the casting is excellent, and uh, I think the casting is what also makes me really really dislike the remake as well. Because it's like you know, it's the right cast really makes the movie. I, I believe so, all these people. So, I, yeah. So you use the words a perfect movie. Is it safe to say that this is your favorite horror movie? I don't know if it's my favorite. It's not the first horror movie that I would show to a new friend, but it's definitely a movie I would put at like crowning jewel of, of horror movies. All right. So let me ask you this. What would be the movie that you would show a new friend? I w- the, the first movie that's popping into my head is hereditary. That fuck, um, I could have told you that. Yeah. Uh, Eric, uh, what'd you like about this movie? I thought I, it was going to go Blair Witch. Well, you you both are wrong, but that's okay. Go on. Uh, what I liked about this film, and I've said it before in other podcasts, is I don't like the, you know, trying to build suspension and then just a quick jump scare. Or that. This had what I like to call, oh shit moments where you actually watch a movie and you find yourself saying out loud, oh shit, 
And for me, the very first one was when the first hammer fell. When, you know, Leatherface came out just from out of nowhere, that hammer came down. I wouldn't consider that a jump scare. I would consider that what I call the, the oh shit moment. Of, sure. Oh, wow. That, that just happened. It was so quick. It was over. There was no buildup. It really catches you. So I do like some of those moments. I do like that the director went for that uncomfortable feeling. And, and like TJ was saying, you know, the, the soundtrack, you know, the, the music behind, it gave you that feeling of this is what I would hear in a slaughterhouse. I mean, we were walking into a slaughterhouse. So that kind of action was good. I also like that they didn't make the, you know, Leatherface the main central figure of the whole movie. I mean, yes, he is the iconic character from the movie, but there was more to it than the movie. There there was more, more, um, how do I word it? There was, uh, each of the characters, the whole family was sinister and creepy and causing problems. The hitchhiker alone was scarier, I think, than Leatherface. Oh my God, dude, the hitchhiker was fucking annoying. What I do have to disagree with and, and can kind of go into dislikes and, you know, Don and I, you, you and I were talking about this. The casting was great because the way they created each of the cast members, I was looking forward to them getting killed. Yeah, so was I. I was uh, highly annoyed by the kid in the wheelchair. Uh, I get the direction of act annoying. Right. But his annoying, I don't know. It just kind of drove me nuts. Um, but I couldn't care less about any of these characters. Uh, I know that Sally was the final girl, you know, going in and watching it. And then as the years go on, the scene where uh, I guess it was Kirk gets hit with the hammer, the, the first mm-hmm. victim, that, is, that goes down in some circles as one of the most goriest scenes in a horror movie history. However, there's no gore. Mm-hmm. Right. This movie has been classified as one of the goriest movies ever made, but there is no gore. It's amazing how well that worked in that he was going for the PG rating. Yeah. But, and, and I agree with you, uh, these characters, I, w- I was kind of counting them down. Right. I, I was waiting for Leatherface to win. But we do have to give Sally some credit. What are we giving her credit for? She, I believe that she is the first final girl. Kind of what started it all. And this, let's let's talk about this for a second. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, whether you love it or hate it, is kind of responsible for Jason, Freddy, Michael Myers. I mean, all of them to come, and, right, in, in cinema. And creating the, the template for the final girl. Yeah. In all of those future movies. Yeah. And, and the movies that we're going to review upcoming, we got Friday the 13th, we have Nightmare on Elm Street, and we have Halloween. Uh, with the exception of maybe Friday the 13th, you got two of the strongest final girls ever in Jamie Lee Curtis and Heather Lanningham. So. Oh, I was going to say, Friday, or yeah, Friday the 13th, yeah, you're right. Yeah. I, I know I'm right. Uh, to comment on the gore, uh, I think the reason that it feels gory is because... Uh, like it's really credit to the framing of it, the creepiness of it. And also like the acting on part of like the first victim, when he gets hit with a hammer, he goes down and then he goes into like anaphylactic shock or something like that's not glamorous. Like you wouldn't see like a top build Hollywood star just start writhing on the floor. But like that can happen. That can happen if you receive like really, really sudden blunt trauma to the head and he has to hit him again to make it stop. And I think that that is just like that. That's sort of what you were saying about like the, Oh shit moment. And I think it's just like, 
it's it's the chaos of the sudden violence and then the the following of of like wow like this person is in so much pain right now and, and you know what really caps that entire scene off is after he door. hits him twice is the fucking door, the door right and the slam shut sting. yeah it's, oh like yeah. the the musical sting to me confirms that what you just saw is like this is how the movie's going to be this is this is this is the rest of the movie and like so, a, yeah. and, and here's kind of the, I guess if I had a lot of problems with this film, it would be the pacing of it, right? Uh, we get this kill, what, a half hour, 45 minutes into the film, right? And then we immediately get uh, the chick. And I think this one for me was uh, probably the most disturbing. He fucking lifts her up and sets her on a fucking meat hook. Dude, that just, I couldn't even imagine I couldn't even imagine that. Yeah. So, and it's good framing too. Cause again, they don't really show gore in it, but the way that the camera goes behind the meat hook before mm-hmm. she gets on it, like as Leatherface is carrying her in, you know, that's where she's going. Yeah. And then she gets on it. There isn't even like an impact sound, Mm-mm. but you feel it. You feel it. And she's not dead. Again, she's another character who's in agony, you know, moments before they're completely gone. Yeah. And she ends up at the freezer, obviously, but, uh, which I thought was funny when uh, Sally opens it and she pops up. Yeah, that's actually Jerry. But oh, yes. you're right. I'm yeah. sorry. When Jerry opens yeah, it and she I, pops out. I would say that's like easily the corniest thing that happens in the movie. But what follows yeah. is another awesome death scene because uh, Jerry, like he kind of goes in. And I really like Jerry. Jerry's probably my favorite character because he says just like he's got this big ass afro he's really funny looking and he just what, what does he say when they're in the the rvs like you hear all this stuff your old lady's been hawking at me like, just the way that he talks it's really entertaining and he, he goes inside the house he's like quit goofing on me guys quit goofing on me well tj let me ask you this question do you know where the director got his inspiration for this movie uh yes and it, it wasn't i i knew it before i read it but reading this again on this paper also confirmed it. Uh, he was at a hardware store and he was tired of waiting in line. Toby Hooper, uh, mm-hmm. tired of waiting in line and thought about using a chainsaw to get out of there. Yeah. To go right through all the customers <laughs> to get out the door. We've all had yeah. that moment yeah. waiting in line. Now, the one thing that, you know, I have heard brought up before and I thought it's kind of an interesting point. This movie is called the Texas chainsaw massacre. We only see in the movie one person killed by a te- uh, chainsaw, which is the guy in the wheelchairs. His name Francis or something like Franklin. that? Franklin. Franklin. Yeah. Franklin killed by a chainsaw, which, of course, again, you don't see the gory. You just see him getting chainsaw in the stomach. And then you see the guy getting cut up by a chainsaw. But really, there's no chainsaw massacre. Well, yeah. I mean, it, it came from Toby not wanting to wait in line. And I think the name is pretty ominous. Yeah. Right? Um, but you're right. You, you only see it a couple of times. And the first time we see it is with, uh, it's with Kirk, uh, or wait, um, Pam, Pam gets up on the meat hook yeah. and, oh yeah, yeah, it is. She's, it, it is. She's Kirk. cutting the guy up. I think. Yeah. He oh, puts, oh he that's puts right. She's watching too, she's right? Watching yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Can you she, imagine that shit? Yeah. She looks at the chainsaw, Leatherface revs it up and we yeah. cut away, but we know what's happening. And when Sally and Franklin are out looking for him. Leatherface gets to drop on Franklin. That was the only time that it, actually I got a jump scare out of it. It's the right kind of jump scare because I feel like something that happens later with sort of what we're talking about formatting with like the the last girl. I feel like 20 years from now, what you will often see is characters slowly open the door, really, really creaking in, and there's nothing in there. Whew. Ah, 
you know. And, and then there's the scare. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. that's kind of the formula yeah. that that horror movies have taken. But there. but this one's cool because like they're just yelling for their friend, which is already a stupid idea in a horror movie. Like you're already thinking like stop stop screaming, Jerry. You know, you're you're drawing attention to yourself, and we as the audience know that the danger is out there. Right. And it's 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 the right kind of jump scare because he's coming at them with a hundred percent energy. You know, chainsaw is up in the air. Right, and he's he's a big menacing figure. It's it's the right kind of like ah, holy shit, you know. He he easily bodies Franklin, and then he like marathon runs after the other girl who's present, and that's like the next like ten minutes is just full force running with that chainsaw, which I thought went on a bit too long for me as well. I but love it. What I was gonna say was you you said something about not uh screaming out their names wasn't the best of ideas right well anybody that's in a horror movie typically They're don't do make it. great decisions yeah. right so i feel like this movie invented the idea or the rule of don't go anywhere alone uh, maybe because it seems like every time you know someone got missing someone else went off alone away from the group to yeah. find them well yeah but i mean that the killer's got to get them somehow yeah. right and, and if you kill them all together too quick, your movie's over. Yeah. I, I really was surprised at like, like the pacing of this movie, I feel like makes it feel less like there is definitely that vibe you get in other horror movies where like all these characters are like, we're going to keep on going off alone to go find somebody else who's gone missing for too long. But like it happens in such quick succession that like it feels realistic that they would be like, Oh, they're not dead. Like they're anticipating like, oh, Jerry's been gone for a moment. We are, we aren't expecting him to be cut up with a chainsaw. We think they're just going to the river and back. No, I, I totally agree. Did you know that this movie had a positive effect? Texas state troopers reported that crime went down 18% because people stopped picking up hitchhikers. <laughs> I was going to say, well, people just stopped going to Texas. He is definitely the worst hitchhiker you could pick up. Yeah, I guess his name is Nubbins. <laughs> oh yeah yeah he was he was a bit out there and you know why you're picking up a hitchhiker in the first place i'll never know but uh the whole bit with him in the van and the he cuts franklin and it was just weird that the moment he cut his own hand he would have been out the door first of all i wouldn't have picked him up right but there's blood on his face okay don't pick up a hitchhiker was that a. blood or was that a birthmark I it was a birthmark figure. oh it was a birthmark it's a birthmark okay. yeah that's what i kind of thought but he started talking about all the slaughterhouse stuff and then start, you know, well, Frank on him and we're bonding. But the moment he takes the knife and he cuts his hand, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, get him the fuck out. Yeah, you got to go. You got to go. What didn't you like about the movie, Professor? What did I not like? I thought it was ridiculous that they showed up at uh, the grandfather's estate and it's just a frame of a house and they were planning on staying there. I don't know. It seemed like they brought no supplies with them whatsoever. Yeah. They were going to go for a swim, but I don't know where, where they're going to stay there. It, 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 they looked entirely ill prepared to be there. No, I don't think they were going to stay. They were just waiting for the gas truck. And also the fact that you go wandering into somebody else's house, I don't know, the different times, I guess. People <laughs> used to do that? I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you 100%. Even though the door is open, I I don't go into that fucking house. I don't go into other people's houses that I've never met or seen before. Yeah. But, I mean, I guess if you used logic, then yeah. we wouldn't have a horror film. Mm -hmm. Well, it's yeah. also weird that, like, Kirk, like, really hesitates to get in the house, and then he gets through the screen door, and then he, like, runs into the house, which is really weird. 
Yeah. Uh, that makes him trip, obviously. But like, you're right about like, no, like a don't go into the house, but B don't run into the scary house. You right. know, now that you've determined that there's no one in the front doorway. Well, it yeah. didn't necessarily look scary from the outside, did I, it? No, it does. Cause he oh, looks it looks through. like a very menacing house. It, well, it's, it's very, very nice on the outside with a beautiful swing. But he looks through and he sees that room that's full of animal heads. Yeah. And, and the red to, wall. Mm-hmm. And he wants to go check it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, you, that alone would tell me. You kind of deserve to get a hammer to the head. Good for, job. For me, the things that bothered me the most i think are the things that the directors wanted or the director wanted you to bother uh wanted to be an issue which is first of all the long setup before you know we have the hitchhiker but then the long setup before we even get to the house like you were talking about earlier it seems like 30 minutes of just nothing mm-hmm. and then the p- other part that really just got on my last nerve was the constant screaming at the end. But I know that the director wanted you to feel the tension and how disturbing it was and just be uncomfortable. But it, it almost made me want to turn the movie off. Right. So there is a fine line, right? Wanting the audience to feel comfortable and then taking it too far where the audience tunes out. And I am of the latter. As soon as she started screaming, 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 15 more minutes of screaming, I kind of tuned out of it and it was like, all right, let's hurry up and get this over with. Mm-hmm. So, but I get, I get the attempt and you know, for in the beginning it works yeah. and, and yeah. And so. I may be a little sick in the head, but what at that dinner party when she kept screaming and screaming and screaming, all I kept thinking was just, just finish her off. So it's over. Just, just do it. Yeah, but they didn't want to. That's the point. The I screaming know. got them off. So I know. I love when they bring her in uh, and they want Grandpa to knock her, <laughs> knock her out. Did Good you, old Grandpa? Did you know that the part? And I, I watched this in a documentary. The part where they cut her finger and Grandpa sucks on her finger. They filmed that for a long time. It had a tube with blood in it. And they filmed it over and over and over again. And the heat and the the spoiled meat and all that, the smell was getting to all the actors that the grandpa actor, they actually cut her finger for real and sucked on her finger, like the blood out of her finger. And that screaming she was doing was real screaming. She was really that disturbed by it. Do you know why they had to film and film and film? Because uh, it took 10 hours to get grandpa into that makeup and he mm. wasn't getting in and out of it. And they were getting that shot yeah. that day. Yeah. <laughs> because he refused to do it again. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, what didn't you like about the movie, TJ? Uh, Although you did say perfect. I would say that, like, the things I don't like, like, I'm willing to let um, Pam jumping out of the freezer slide. I think that's a little goofy. Like, But to me, it doesn't really bother me. The thing that kind of bothers me is actually a detail of the hitchhiker being inside the van. And he's inside the van for a really long time, and I feel like I start paying attention to what's in the windows. And to me, it feels like... We look out the windows, we don't even see trees. It just looks like a white, it looks like the van is just in a white room. And I don't know if that's like something with like the camera exposure settings or something, but like it made it feel like the van was on a set almost. And it kind of takes me out a little, but the dialogue keeps me in. (laughs) Wow. So we, TJ and I, we talked about it. My thought was that that was there to isolate us to focus only on the hitchhiker and not be distracted by the, oh, we're, we're on a road trip. Yeah, and I completely understand that direction, but, like, it just, it kind of bugs me a little. Well, yeah, I mean, if you notice it, then yeah. obviously it didn't work. It takes work. me out, yeah. <clears throat> I, I didn't notice. I couldn't care. 
the hitchhiker was creepy, but I was kind of hoping that he would have reached over and cut Franklin's throat. What was your favorite kill? My favorite kill. Good question. It's probably a tie between Kirk or Jerry. I love Jerry's scream. Jerry's scream to me makes it feel like a, a, a snuff film. Because Jerry's scream to me, every time I hear it, it sounds like he he knows that like he's going to die. And, and it's it's an it's an agony scream of like just suddenly being in the because he's like I think two feet away from Leatherface when it happens he opens up the freezer he's sort of scared to see Pam and he turns around and Leatherface is just there and Jerry just sort of lets out like a like he's trying to scream but he can't quite breathe yet he's like <gasps> you know it's it's one of those like really riling yourself up and then he's just dead and I also love the 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 moments after that where Leatherface sort of is running back and forth in that room. Like, he looks like he's frantic. And then he, he there's a lot of really, really nice sound design in there, too, because you hear the chicken going, you know, cuckoo, cuckoo, you know, and it's just kind of, like, adding to the sense of, like, this is insane, you know? And we see Leatherface, like, run up to the windows, and he's checking outside to see if anyone else is there. Because I, I think he feels like he's defending his home right now these random people are walking into his house and he sits down in that chair and he starts like cradling his head and he's rocking back and forth and like it's traumatic for the audience and it's even more traumatic for leatherface as well it's it's a weird sort of like the villain almost it's almost like he didn't want to do that uh like it's almost like he feels remorse but you can tell on the close-up that like he's clearly disturbed you know that his, his his rationale is is not the same as ours Oh, look at you having sympathy for Leatherface. Well, I don't really know if it's sympathy, but I just, I like that detail. Because we never see Jason or Freddy or anyone, like, sort of, like, put down the machete or whatever and be like, Oh, shit. I need to breathe for a moment, man. I've been killing a lot of people. (laughs) Well, if your killer has to do that, then he's a fucking pussy. So, how about that? Here's the thing about Leatherface, though, okay? He hauls, brother. And, like, that's the thing thing about the the final girl. When she's running after um, her brother gets, you know, destroyed in the wheelchair. Like, Leatherface just can keep trucking, you know? And he's running at full tilt at her. And it's scary. And and she's screaming. And I, I would be in the exact same boat where I'm running with, like, complete adrenaline, right? Away from this thing that is, uh out of my weight class, A, because Leatherface is a big hulking brute of a man, you know, and he's got a chainsaw. (laughs) So it's, yeah. I read somewhere that Gunnar Hansen, who played Leatherface, Mm -hmm. um, even in his like big heels and this mask he couldn't see out of, kept running faster than the final girl. So that's why during that scene when they're running through the woods, he had to stop every so often and cut the trees and the branches <laughs> yeah. and swing at things because uh-huh. he kept catching up to her. Right. So I thought that was just kind of funny. That's why, like, you know, he can really run, I guess, in that stuff. Well, Ho- Hooper should have had, uh, had him kill her. Yeah. Would have ended it 20 minutes sooner, <laughs> and I would have been happier. What? Uh, what was your favorite kill, Don? Uh, my favorite kill, I think, uh, I, I really uh, like when uh, Leatherface puts, what's her name, on the hook. I've always found that disturbing, and I've always found that just, my God, just the agony and where that hook would go when you're still alive and you get to feel everything, and all you can do is sit there and hang. Uh, and then we, she watches her boyfriend get chopped up. And then she watches still alive for that. Right. Yeah. But, um, we don't actually really get to see her die. We know she 
death or dead, but we don't know if the hook is the cause of it. So I wouldn't classify that as my favorite kill. My favorite kill is Kirk's. And what does it for me is like when you were saying, when he gets on the ground and his legs start twitching and Leatherface has to hit him again, it's the impact and the sound and he closes the door, fucking chilling. So that's mine. I dug the urgency of that kill. It it, it is a very brisk kill. And that is my favorite kill as well. Yeah, I mean, you go back and you you look at uh, what would soon become the slasher genre. Later on, we'll get villains that take their time or want to play with their food or, you know what I mean, just prolong it. And then we'll get to uh, horror, modern horror movies where we have to watch them torture someone or and it goes on and on and on. This one was straight to the point and it was very effective and I, I fucking loved it. And And the door closing. Uh, cherry on top for me it's more of the non-traditional sometimes i just like to see people get their comeuppance and that would be nubbins at the end i you know when he ran out in front of the truck and did the maybe it was the first time maybe this is what started the whole thing of waving his hands and everything when he could have just stepped out of the way of the truck and oh when he gets waiting for the truck to hit him yeah. Uh, just seeing Nubbins get splattered. I don't know. There was just something about that that I really enjoyed. And and knowing that it's a dummy or it's fake, obviously, but yeah. just, just the thought of it, right? The Yeah, the 18-wheeler. Totally, right? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I, I just I just enjoyed, you know, I, I didn't see that coming, and so I kind of enjoyed that comeuppance. Nice, nice, nice. I, I would even go as far as to say that, like, I am glad that he is the only one that dies in the movie. Because, like, at the end of it, Leatherface, he's just sort of swinging his chainsaw. Like, I like that we know that Leatherface is still out there. Even though I don't want a sequel to this movie, obviously, I'm okay with Leatherface still being alive at the end. The Hitchhiker, to me, I feel like he's, he's like, more sadistic about his torture of the girl, especially when she they take off her hood, mm-hmm. and he's like, oh, I've seen you earlier, you know? And, and for her, that's just like, oh, my God, could my day get any worse? You know? uh, yeah, it probably could. Yeah, I, think, yeah, I think that was her exact thoughts. Yeah. yeah. But, but it just like the realization that like the person wearing the skin mask and the guy that we picked up earlier happened to be related. Like, holy shit. Like, like this, what yeah. the fuck just happened? Yeah. For sure. For sure. John, what was your favorite scene of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? It would, you know, it's funny that you asked the, my favorite scene is also the scene that I dreaded the most, which was the dinner scene. Uh, the reason is, I was annoyed by it. I was annoyed with the screaming. I thought it went out a long time. But when you read about how that scene was made and what the actors had to go through to make it, uh, they were, as you were saying earlier, I mean, they spent 10, 12 hours in this room where they had no air conditioning. It was like 110 degrees out. They had rotting meat sitting on that table. So the smell was horrible. The actors actually took turns going to the one window and puking their guts out in between takes. Yeah, it was so, like it was like a 20-hour day. So that uncomfort and that that hostile feeling that they're all portraying is what they're actually all feeling at the time. And then you got to look at, you know, Gunner who is in that full gear with that mask on and everything. And because of the way the budget was and everything, the outfits couldn't be cleaned, anything like that. His outfit smelled so bad by the time they got to that scene that the actors didn't even want to be near him. So just knowing what they all went through to create that kind of makes that my favorite scene. Interesting. Interesting. Professor? I I like the way the dinner scene was shot. The the dinner scene and, and the tension... And uh, the uh, 
the the, the close-ups of Sally, and it is it is uh, horrifying watching that scene unfold. Yeah, yeah. teach. Uh, right now, the scene I'm thinking of, and I feel like I'm going to have a better answer after I finish talking about it, but um, when Pam goes in to look for Kirk, and she gets into the house, and she stumbles into the room full of feathers. That was uncomfortable. Yeah, and she sees the bone furniture, and, like, we're, we just, we, we get all these close shots of, like, everything in that room, and, and like, every every shot just adds to the insanity of it all. You know, it's it's human bones, it's animal bones, and they've been collected for a while, and they're trophy pieces. And it's clear that, like, she has stumbled into absolute hell. And um, I think she knows, once she's landed in there and she gets up, that, like, She's not going to live. Whoever made that room is going to be in that room in like T minus three seconds because of all the noise that she made and, and Leatherface bringing her back into the house. I, I guess I would say that scene then because I do love that shot of Pam trying to run away and, and Gunner just coming through the door and, and picking her up. And yeah. like, I think that that also kind of speaks to me on like a, like a primal fear kind of level in that like, being someone who is kidnapped or, or someone that is like being assaulted by someone who is just physically bigger than you and just the helplessness of it, you know, she's kicking and screaming and clawing at that door frame, you know, trying to stay outside, trying to make as much noise as possible. And, and it doesn't matter. You know, she's completely helpless. Yeah. I don't know if I, which member it was, if it was a member of the crew, if it was the director, but I guess they drove all over Texas collecting roadkill for this movie. All the bones <laughs> and the feathers, it's all real stuff. They had no fake yeah. fake Dang. stuff. They actually went and got tons of it, and then I guess at the wrap party, they burned it all in the behind that cabin, behind that house. <laughs> Gross. Can you imagine the smell of that fire? Oh, it was horrible. No. Anyway, Don, no. what was your uh, favorite scene? <clears throat> I think it has to be when Sally gets away, like we were talking about, and she's in the back of that pickup. And and first of all, it's kind of the whole sequence when she gets out to the road, right? Because the, the the truck driver gets out and wants to help her, but then he just ditches his rig and starts taking off, right? And then Sally sees the truck. She gets in the back, and then it's at that moment when she starts laughing maniacally and just hysterically like she she had just been through hell and she fucking survived, right? And so she was kind of laughing at, you know, at uh, all of the trauma and just the way that went down and then Leatherface kind of doing his dance at the end and then we just cut to black. And yeah, so I, I like that whole bit with them and them on the road. I think the road even gives you like a little bit of like a final laugh because like I feel like all I think about on the road is like those two drivers, how long have they been on the road? 40 minutes? Maybe the trucker's been on the road for hours and then all of a sudden, this girl covered in blood just runs out into the street. And your instant reaction is, I should probably help that person. And then the next thing you see is this chainsaw-wielding maniac. You know, like the 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 pickup truck, he swerves off the road. Yeah, I think very realistically to be like, holy shit, what is happening right in front of me? And like wherever he was going... He goes in reverse. He's heading back to where he goes. Because I think he, he does like the full turn, right? He's like, he's probably going to the grocery store, probably checking on his folks or whatever. Not important anymore. What's important is getting the fuck out of here. You yeah. Know, as fast as humanly possible. For sure. And, and that, yeah, yeah. That ending is fantastic. Yeah. All right. So that is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre for 1974. 
Uh, should we go into our ratings? No, I'm just kidding. We'll do that at the end. Now, why don't we talk about the 2003 remake? I'm just going to say this once. Do we have to? It's so forgettable. There's nothing to the movie. All right, we'll talk about it. The film which you are about to see is an account of the tragedy which befell a group of five youths. It is all the more tragic in that they were young. But had they lived very, very long lives, they could not have expected. Nor would they have wished to see as much of the mad and macabre as they were to see that day. For them, an idyllic summer afternoon became a nightmare. For 30 years, the files collected dust in the Cold Cases Division of the Travis County Police Department. Over 1,300 pieces of evidence were collected from the crime scene at the Hewitt residence. Yet none of the evidence was more compelling than the classified police footage of the crime scene walkthrough. The crime scene was not properly secured by Travis County Police. Two investigating officers were fatally wounded that day. This is the only known image of Thomas Hewitt, the man they call Leatherface. The case today still remains open. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2003 was released on October 17, 2003, directed by Marcus Nipsel. Screenplay by Scott Kozar. Stars Jessica Beale, Jonathan Tucker, Erica Leersham, Mike Vogel, Eric Balfour, and Arlie Remy. Narrated by John Larroquette. It was made for $9.5 million and made over $107 million at the box office. Now, the big question about this movie did it even need to be remade? Well, that that poses a bigger question. Do any of the remakes need to be made? Yeah, I mean, is it is there a reason? Like, do they think they can do it better, or is it just a money grab? And I felt like this one, just a money grab. Well, um, I think that it does have its similarities to the first one, but the filmmakers tried to do something that was a little bit more on... Uh, tried to do something or they tried to give it a different take. And um, though I applaud them for the effort because it's a remake and not necessarily a shot for shot remake, because really who wants that, right? So if they're taking the property and they're trying to do something different, you know, hats off to them. The problem is what they chose and what they came up with wasn't done very well. So like you were saying, TJ, it's, it's kind of a forgettable film. Yeah. It's just a weaker cast. Um, there's more convoluted story plots, I feel like. Like, there's a real simplicity. Even you describing the synopsis of the 1974 movie, it's like, it is deceptively simple. It's the cinematography and, like, the realness of it that carries it. In this movie, it's like... Like, I'm, I'm really bothered by how big the family is and just, like, all the different aspects of, like, their horror. Like, the cop being related to them, I feel like, is a really random stretch... The, the lady at the diner also being related to him, the mama. And then the two in the camper and yeah. then the little kid. Like and yeah, it's like this family it. kept going on and on and on, right? Yeah. They they run this whole part of Texas and, um, oh, fuck, I'm not going to Texas. Well, I'll tell you that much. But yeah, no, I agree with you. Uh, it it does get convoluted in, in a lot of ways. Uh, the, the changes I did kind of like, I guess, was, you know, um, instead of going looking for... Uh, 
checking for the grave robber. You have them wanting to go to a Leonard Skinner concert and they just been to Mexico and now they're uh, <laughs> exporting a bunch of weed across the border. And you have that whole subplot line. And, you know, again, they, the, the filmmakers tried to do something different than the original. Yes, they're on a trip, but it's a different reason for a trip. Again, the execution just wasn't really there. On August 18th, 1973, five young adults, Aaron, her boyfriend, Kemper, and their friends, Morgan, Andy, and Pepper, are on their way to a concert after traveling to Mexico. While driving through Texas, the group picks up a severely traumatized hitchhiker. After they try and talk with the hitchhiker, she pulls out a revolver and shoots and kills herself. The group goes to a nearby diner to contact the police where a woman named Luda May tells them to meet Chef Hoyt at the mill. Instead, they find a young boy named Jedediah who tells them Hoyt is at home getting drunk. Aaron and Kemper go through the woods to find the house. They come across a house and Aaron is allowed inside by an amputee named Monty to call for help. Kemper goes inside to look for Aaron and is killed by Leatherface. Meanwhile, Hoyt arrives at the mill and disposes of the hitchhiker's body. After Aaron discovers that Kemper is missing, she and Andy go back to Monty's house and Aaron distracts him while Andy searches for Kemper. Leatherface attacks Andy with a chainsaw. Aaron and Andy escape and head toward the woods, but Leatherface hacks off Andy's left leg and carries him to the basement, where he impales him on a meat hook. Leatherface, now wearing Kemper's face as a mask, tracks down Aaron and Pepper. Leatherface kills Pepper. Aaron runs and hides in a nearby trailer and passes out after the owner gives her drugged tea. Aaron wakes up at the Hewitt house, surrounded by the entire family. Leatherface, his mother, Luda May, Hoyt, Monty, and Jedediah. Aaron is taken to the basement where she finds Andy and kills him to end his suffering. Afterwards, she finds Morgan handcuffed in a bathtub. Together, they escape the house with the help of Jedediah. Leatherface catches up with them and kills Morgan. Aaron escapes and hides in the slaughterhouse. She attacks Leatherface with a meat cleaver, chopping off his right arm. Aaron runs outside and is picked up by a passing trucker who drives her back to the diner to find help. Aaron hotwires Hoyt's cop car and Hoyt tries to stop her, but she runs him over repeatedly. Leatherface appears in the road and slashes the car with his chainsaw, but Aaron manages to escape. Two days later, two investigating officers are killed by Leatherface while doing a crime scene investigation of the Hoyt house. And a narrator states that the case remains open. End movie i remember when the trailer came out and it did that camera popping sound yeah you know and you got glimpses of leather face and i thought maybe okay this this might be okay right but then i found out who produced it does anybody know who produced it was this another weinstein one no, no. michael bay oh michael bay. <laughs> mr special effects himself so right there i know that you know, we might be in trouble. However, that being said, with our horror movie series that we're doing here, um, three of the four movies that we're going to talk about were produced by Michael Bay. <laughs> so, uh, listeners, beware. I thought the movie had no tension whatsoever. It, it, I didn't raise my eyebrows to any of it. It, it felt way too contrived and forced. In general, it wasn't scary at all. It, it it looked it looked like a, a, a prop, you know, like a, a big haunted house prop. That's exactly what I was thinking. As they go through the house, and you see the hands, and you see the fingernails, and you and let's can we talk about the mask real quick for Leatherface? Fucking dumb. It looked like you. It looked like something you would pick up at the Halloween store. 
Mm-hmm. You know, at least the original one looked shitty and handmade. Barbaric. And barbaric. You know, uh, I thought the only time they got a little clever was when he makes the mask of her boyfriend. Of Kemper. Yeah. I, th- I thought that was that was kind of funny. I just wish she I would. I laughed out loud. So did I. I. I wrote that in my notes. Laughed out loud when we see Kemper's face. It was ridiculous. Yeah. It was absurd. Yeah. So, and we kind of talked about... Uh, the characters from the first one. I'm just going to throw this out there right now. I didn't like these characters. I couldn't, again, kind of like the first one, I couldn't wait for all of them to get killed. But the one that drove me the, the most nuts and the one I disliked the most was this Kemper character. He's just, is like a watching a piece of cardboard trying to act and when he was trying to be the tough guy and, you know, he, he he's just kind of that asshole boyfriend uh, that's typical for these movies and you know i i was happy when he got it and so that's why i laughed when his face got put onto leatherface's head i thought it was funny yeah i think the big difference between this cast and the cast from the original is it feels like the cast from the original doesn't deserve it uh they just feel like innocent people that were in the wrong place at the wrong time and these guys in this remake they just feel like they just feel like your horror movie cast, you know? Yeah, they really do. And and you're right. The the people in the first one don't really deserve this. And I guess if you're kind of going along those lines, Jessica Biel and the chick, they make them stop to pick up this hitchhiker. And that just goes to show you, don't ever be nice. Because it's the people <laughs> that are fucking nice, get fucking chainsawed up the Yahoo. So, I mean... If you had to put character traits, I think, on pretty much all the guys in this movie, I think douchebag would be at the top of it. Yeah. Douche, um, stoner, uh, slut, uh, goody-goody, and then the blonde kid, Andy. I mean, his, his, I guess, the jock type or something. Well, like, isn't our first scene with him, we just see him, like, getting it on in the back of a van. I was just like, ugh. Like, okay. That was creepy. This movie was gross, man. And that was, like, my lasting impression of it was just like yeah but the lustiness of it was just so over the top oh you're such a prude for, for um for i was gonna say real quick for me i, I, I will <laughs> i will say that this movie for me had kind of one maybe a slight oh shit moment which was i didn't see the hitchhiker killing herself what and, the hell is she doing with a gun up and her crotch yeah where did sense. she pull that gun from well, I'll give you two guesses, but I'm pretty sure you're only going to need one. Yeah, I mean, why is she walking down the road concealing the gun like that? I her, have her no idea. Holster? Also, also, they call it her prison purse. <laughs> so she just experienced Leatherface, right? That's why she's like that. If she had the gun, why didn't she just kill him? Yeah, it, it just it, it felt like she it's was shocking. put there. Yeah, she uh, the the writers were writing, and they said, "Okay, we got to do something." different let's pick up a hitchhiker and the other writer said yeah but we did that and they did that in the first film and then the other writer said yeah but it wasn't a girl and she didn't pull a gun out of her hoo-ha and <laughs> someone said yeah it's a great idea let's fucking write it down and that's what we got i so. think they were trying to create a certain tension a certain unease a certain like oh you're already creeped out in the beginning of the movie and it just didn't work well the tension instantly goes away when they do that stupid fucking shot where they're all screaming and the camera backs out of her yeah. head. Oh, this it's is just Michael so Bay. Yeah. Stupid. So and that's stupid. what I mean about the movie being gross. There's a fucking transformer shot, right? I mean, they're standing up, the camera comes up and then it does the 360. Yep. It's yep. the bad boys yep. and transformer shot in a nightmare. <laughs> and or yep. in, oh my God. I almost 
fucking created a full pause. Nightmare on Elm Street. Whoa, whoa, watch your fucking mouth, youngster. <laughs> I will kick you in the balls. And the hole in her head. Holy moly. That is a huge hole. Why well, would you not use that gun on Leatherface? Yeah. Well, okay, and and I agree with all of you on everything you've just said. Uh, this one, though, however, made me jump more than the other ones, and I appreciated that. There are small, tiny, minute elements of this film that I appreciate. Name one. The jump scares. They got me. They got me a couple times, and I'm not afraid to admit it. Uh, and that's why I watch these. That's why I want to watch a horror films because I want to be scared. I want to be uh, made to feel uneasy or uncomfortable, and um, you know, on my own terms. Well, but this you- this movie did an okay job. I thought the sound design was fine. You know, um, <laughs> I have a really good friend at work. She worked at a movie theater when this came out, and she doesn't do horror movies at all, right? So her coworkers had this plane this version and locked her in the theater and made her watch it and i couldn't imagine because i mean just the bangs and the booms and the in the theater experience i think if you saw this in a theater with people as dumb as it is i think those moments would work in uh, a theater so those are the moments that i appreciate well let me ask you this since it's a question that we asked is that what you liked about the movie or was there something other specific that you liked about this movie um Okay, well, let's get into that. Besides the credits? Yeah. <laughs> the jump scares, I liked. Uh, the deaths were okay. They tried to change it up a little bit, by, but still sticking to the same formula. Instead of the girl on the hook, we get the guy on the hook. I thought we were way over dramatic when she had to kill her friend, and I just it was kind of a poor decision. Um, not much that I liked about this film, but I will say... You know, I appreciate that they try to do something different. I just wish that they had succeeded. Yeah, the execution was poor. Yeah. This movie was fucking boring as I was fuck. Like, like every 10 minutes. What time is it now? What time is it now? We don't see the chainsaw until 44 minutes into it. And that's, and it, and it's that, and it's got to be that gotcha moment, right? It's the same door. It's the two characters comparable to the first film and the door slams open and you get that shot of them screaming and then he's got a, like a 12 foot blade on that chainsaw right and that right there you're just kind of hokey professor was there a scene that you liked hmm. nothing really comes to mind i was annoyed by a lot of scenes but um nothing really comes to mind for anything that i cared for i i i, I guess it was it was modestly amusing when we have Aaron getting picked up by a truck and he's taking her right back to where she left. And, hey, she's going to be just like the hitchhiker, except she doesn't have a gun to shoot herself. And the bit about the stolen baby and, and, and her. I know. It just it just didn't fit with what I think they wanted to do. And but the, the whole slaughterhouse scene, just all that BS going through that. I, I, I was annoyed as well that... Um, that uh, Leatherface loses his arm because, okay, how do you operate the chainsaw and hold it? He, you know, he shouldn't be able to operate the blade and wield it. You do one or the other. Right, right. Well, maybe he... uh, You can learn from Ash Williams. Yeah, maybe he... (laughs) Yeah, maybe he learned from Ash. Let's go watch Evil Dead 2 again. (sighs) Is there anything you liked about it? I'm going to say no, but I will give the movie credit for one little thing. I really like the eye hole that uh, Leatherface looks through in the wall. Oh, my God. I thought that was so cliche. 
I just thought it was creepy looking. I mean, but like, I, I just, I like the sound on it. The little creakiness of like, and, and the character not quite knowing what it is right away. Yeah. Like, like I said, I'll give the sound design a little bit of, cr- yeah, a little bit of credit. Like that is the only thing I like about this movie. And like, I, it's not even something that I like. It's just a detail that I feel like if I were watching this movie and like giving an honest opinion of it, I'd be like, that, that part was okay. The rest of it sucked, but that, that part was okay. Yeah. This movie was like, um, I thought all of its characters were just really, really gross. And what really surprises me is I really like Arlie Remy. Is that how you pronounce his last name? Yeah. Um, Ermy. I like him as a person on like TV shows and crap, but in this movie, he's just, he's fucking gross, man. Like when he gets that girl and he wraps her in the saran wrap, he's like, you boys have some fun with her before you got her. And it's like, Ugh, like it's he's just gross and i know we're supposed to know that he's gross but he's like exceptionally gross well that's and, kind of the point of his character but it's too much i don't know i to me i find like i also feel like he's enjoying saying his lines too much like it's just i i don't find like the hinting at sexual abuse because it's scary to be very scary i mostly just think like this is just gross and molesty and like it's not making me want to watch this movie anymore, you know? I agree with you. He is swarmy and gross. I just think and, it's too much. Yeah, I, and I was happy to see him getting run over repeatedly. That was another part of this film where I laughed out loud. Me too. Was when she hit him, I went, ha! And then she stopped, and I started laughing again because I knew exactly, exactly what yeah. she was going to do. She was yep. going to back up over him again. I thought that was kind of That's fun. That's one thing that yeah. we say in all these movies that we've been watching, which is, why doesn't anybody double tap? TJ and I were also commenting about how much story is dedicated to, to Sheriff Hoyt. What the heck? Why? He's almost like a, a sideline story that takes us away from. Right. And you get the inspiration from where he came from. He comes from the proprietor of the gas stations because uh, very, very similar. Right. But yeah, why are we getting so much? And I know later down the line in the fucking stupid sequels, we find out that he's not really the sheriff. Mm-hmm. He killed the sheriff and took his car and his well, uniform. They revealed that in this first in this remake. I think that's to be Did inferred. They? Yeah, basically when uh, I think one of them was on the phone. Oh, when the it's police, yeah, when it's applied. Said, okay, I get. They said, "Oh, Hoyt's already arrived," and they said, "But the police is supposed to be here in ten minutes or thirty minutes." Yeah, yeah, thirty yeah. minutes. Well, yeah, I know you definitely mean. get the vibe that like he's not a real cop. Just, yeah, just in the way that he handles the business and yeah. Was there any scenes that you uh, disliked? Well, let's see. Uh, well, there's the every scene with Kemper in it. The entire viewing experience. Uh, the entire viewing experience. You know what drove me crazy? And, you know, you guys know that I don't get to watch movies for entertainment value anymore. I always have to watch them with uh, kind of like a filmmaker eye or an editor's eye. And TJ knows what I'm talking about. <clears throat> The scene where Jessica Biel kills Andy when he's hanging on the hook, she stabs him, and then we cut to his face, or we cut away, and then when we cut back to Jessica Biel, she's covered in blood. That is, jump cuts drive me up the fucking wall, and it's just, pay attention, guys. What what the fuck, you get paid millions of dollars to do this, and we're having continuity errors, and talking to you, Peter Jackson, two towers. But... It just drove me nuts. And then after that, I was just like, oh, fuck, come on. Right? I was thinking, oh, fuck, come on, with the amount of time that Aaron and Leatherface are running around at the end with his chainsaw. Well, yeah, we had to build up Jessica Biel as the final girl. And it, 
unnecessary, right? Totally. Get away already. Something that really bugged me, and I thought that they did, it was an interesting take they did in the original that they totally screwed up in the remake was, in the original, Leatherface has three masks. And he represent or he wears them to represent different personality. He has his killing mask, he has his homemaker mask, and he has his like woman mask. In this one, there's no real purpose to his mask. In fact, he just makes a Kemper mask out of the blue just because he wants to make a Kemper mask. Well, I think he's always wanted to be, and this is funny because none of this is explained in the films. Yeah. Um, I think it's funny that you say that because Leatherface wants to feel pretty because he was born deformed. Right? I mean, that was, that's well, the whole. The first movie bit. he was deformed. The second movie he had a skin condition. Anyways, the point is he wears Kemper's mask because he thinks that Kemper is attractive. He thinks he's a good specimen, right? Um, I just found that scene funny. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and I don't need all the backstory of any of the killers, no. right? What you give me in the movies, I will accept. Yeah, why do we need to know their feelings? The other thing that bothered me was how long that Leatherface just kind of stood there while she was hacking his arm off. Right. I mean, hack, hack. hack. With, no a, time, with a meat cleaver. Oh, and... At no time did he just pull his arm back. And <laughs> he, she's hiding in a locker. He walks away. Why are you calling him back? Get out and go the other fucking way and run on the fucking road, right? Why are we running in and out of all these houses and, and slaughterhouses and this, that, and the other? Get on the open highway and just start fucking running. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Making a lot of work for the film crew, too, every time they go to a new house. <laughs> Dude, that's a whole other set day, brother. You gotta get, that's another location move. Uh, spoken, spoken like a true <laughs> filmmaker. Well done, TJ. Exterior road day. That's yeah, all we need. That's all you need. That's all you need. Uh, and the whole gathering of the family at the end with the with the little baby and they're all there. I, I realize that, that you know, that's, that's their normal life, I guess. I don't know. It's interesting when you think about what's normal. And for, for this family, that's normal, apparently, that you whack up people and such. But... Um, don't care. Yeah, who gives a fuck? Well, uh, to to add to that, in that scene, isn't the mom also like ironing some clothes or something? Like she she's ironing the uh, Hoyt's pants. Yeah, he's oh sitting right. there with no pants. It's just so stupid, and yeah. I just kind of feel like she has this attitude of like, "Oh, you boys, <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm always picking up after you, serial killing fuckers." You know, it seems yeah. like they were trying to go two different directions with this movie to be kind of the serious, tense movie, <laughs> and then to be just over the top ridiculous yeah. agreed 100 yeah, it's i the family dynamic is just creepier in the original because like um when sally goes upstairs and is asking for help we see like we don't know that grandpa is alive yet like he looks dead yeah and mom looks especially dead and there's something to be said about like how there's like no like female or like matriarchal position in this family for sure and like when they're at the dinner table it's like i mean the guy who runs the gas station i don't quite understand why he's like i just take no pleasure in killing because it's clear that he does um but like you can see that they are the way that they are because their family unit has is fractured in some way they're 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 you know they're holding on to a grandpa who you know barely clings to life for you know just to murder other people because grandpa's good at it or whatever and yeah all right favorite kills fresher uh this version i can't think of one oh when Sheriff Hoyt dies, I, I, I like 
that that was fun. Yeah, you like that one? Backing up. Yeah, yeah, backing up. Uh, John, I, I gotta agree with the professor. Mine was Hoyt. That I've been craving a double tap, and we finally got a double tap. There we you got go. a triple tap. Oh yeah, because she goes back, back, and then she's got to go forward yeah. again. Yeah, she yeah. she definitely sent a message. Yeah, for sure. Uh, DJ, favorite kill. <sighs> You know, I'm going to have to agree with, because I don't even, like, I'm looking at this list of all the people that were killed, and the only one I remember is the hitchhiker. Like, I don't even remember how these characters die. Like, I knew that they, they were all they were all bloody. I remember they're all dying in agony, and there's blood everywhere, but, like, none of those deaths are really memorable. Yeah, but there wasn't. There wasn't a whole lot of blood everywhere. Uh, I, well, they they was, cut away a lot. But I mean, it. like the guy on the meat hook. What yeah, was his name Andy. Again? Andy. Andy. Like he's just in agony for like four fucking scenes where he's like yeah. trying to get himself. Let's off go the back hook. to him. Yep, still in agony. Yeah. yeah. Let's like, go back to him again. Yep, still in agony. I think if you the 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 part where he tries to lift himself up the first time, That's and then he falls, I think you kill him there. Yeah. Right. It we don't need to come sense. back to him. Right. And yeah. and have her. And he was really. I don't know if the word is nonchalant about, you know, having Aaron kill him, but I mean, his body looked like he was suffering, but his voice didn't tell me that. So, you know, I think my favorite kill is when Leatherface kills Pepper. And the only reason why is you can hear the chainsaw slow down oh, yeah, when it I hits flesh. And then the look on Jessica Biel's face, you know, for what it was. Uh, I, I'll say that was my favorite kill. Now, they edited one scene uh, where Morgan got killed. The chainsaw was supposed to actually go up through him, up past his stomach, and everything was supposed to fall out, but they thought it was too gruesome and it would have given it an X rating. Would that have been one of your favorite scenes? Yes. And I, again, how... It would have been how, a glory how, kill. Yeah, know? well, how memorable these characters were. I forgot all about Morgan until you yeah. said that. And that's right. He hangs him on the fucking hook. Or at, say he puts him on the chandelier. Oh, that's right. That's right. It was a chandelier. And then he brings the chainsaw up in between his legs. So, yeah. And Morgan, I thought, was the, one of the most douchiest besides Kemper. Kemper won the award. Morgan was pretty douchey. Yeah, he was annoying, and I kind of wanted Hoyt to kick his ass. Yeah. Right? So I thought it was kind of <laughs> funny. That I love the bit where he smashes him with the uh, uh, whiskey bottle or whatever he's drinking, and it just crushes his mouth. And you, he knows right there he's fucked. Yeah, my favorite scene was when it was over. Mine too. I was just thinking when I saw the credits, it's yeah. like, finally. Can I get an uh, agreement on all of yeah, that? Was that what everybody's? I think we can agree on that. All right, all right, all right. Okay, so now let's compare both the original and the remake. If you had to pick a movie that had the better story, the better script, which one would it be, Don? I'm going to go ahead and give it to the first one. Ken? Original. I think we know, TJ. TJ is going to be original on all of these questions. Uh, yeah. I think we're going to make it unanimous, even though I thought the beginning dragged on too long in the first one. First one had a better story to tell. Which one had the better soundtrack? Uh, I'm going to say the second one, actually. I think that the um, the music was a little bit better and uh, the sound design I thought was good. I mean, you know, if you watch a movie in the right conditions and the sound design is pretty good, it, it makes an effect. And so I'll give it to the second one. Ken, you got a preference? Original. I can't believe that you're saying that because when I when I was thinking about the soundtrack for the remake, I don't remember a single track. I knew that there were like action tracks and like the, you know, thudding bass moments or whatever you want to call it. But they're all just there's nothing to it. And that sound from the original, you know, the original camera sound is just 
instantly identifiable. But they only use it in the very beginning, and they use it in the very beginning of the second one, too. But I feel like they use it in a really gimmicky way in the second one, because they even use it when Leatherface, like, peeks through again, and it's like, that's not Leatherface's stinger, or that's not his, like, theme. It's like... It's the atmosphere of the movie. Right, but that but that sound effect is what Texas Chainsaw Massacre is known for. When you hear Th- that's, that noise, that's, what that's I'm what, like, right, but you get that in the first one and you get it in the second one. I just feel like the the choice of like instrumentation is like more creatively inspired in the first one as well. Like just the use of industrial noises and all that stuff. I just feel like that that's like just a creative direction to go in. I think it was used better, is what I think you're kind of saying. Now, an interesting point, the second movie, originally the soundtrack was supposed to be done by Marilyn Manson, but he had to drop out. So I don't know if that would have made any difference, but I actually have to lean towards TJ in that I felt like the sound effects and the music was used better in the first one than it was in the second one. So I'm going to give it to the first one as well. Oh, well, there you go. Okay, well, let's now look at Best Kills. Uh, which of the movies had the better kills? I'm going to go with the first one. Okay. Original. Did yeah, it? I mean, we we only remember the officer's death from the remake. I mean, everyone else's death is forgettable in the remake. The original is just, it's got that, that snuff film quality that just, just irks you to the core. Do we have a villain preference? Which Leatherface or family, I don't know if you want to count the family as a villain or just Leatherface, but which one had the better bad guys? I'm going to go with the original. Original? Original, yeah. The, the second one, he looked like he was coming out of a Halloween shop. Yeah. And then I didn't care for all the additional family members. Well, everyone in Texas is involved in the plot, you know, to uh, kidnap people on their way to Leonard Skinner concerts. and Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it got to a point in the second one, I think, that you knew every person she's going to be, you know, run into is in on it. I I was surprised at the end when the truck driver was it also one of the family. That's members. what I was thinking too. Yeah, me he, too. And he's going to be too. part of it. I, what? He's not. So, but in an ironic M Night Shyamalan twist, he's going to take her back to the family anyway. Yeah. So yeah, I got to agree with everyone. The first one is the better. Yep. Villains. Which one? Had the more suspense and tension. Uh, I think that the second one tried, didn't succeed very well. So I'll give it to the first. Okay. Original. TJ, should, do I even need yeah, to ask? Yeah, original, for sure. I will say I can understand what the second one was going for. Didn't work. There was no tense scenes. You just knew something was about to happen. You knew he was going to find her. You knew that Leatherface was about to pop out. No tension, no suspense. So I'm going to go with the first one. Now comes the big question. Who had the better final girl? I think I know the answer to this. Don? The better final girl? I like that they tried to make Jessica Biel a strong final girl. I'm all for girl power and, you know, all of that. However, I think that because Sally was the first, she wins. Ken, you got one? Original? Yeah, or- Original. I, I like that Sally feels extraordinary, extraordinarily lucky to make it out alive, because in that final dinner scene, it's sort of like they're they're like there's no escape here. She's bound to the chair, she's stuck here, and the rest of her life, however long it may be, the rest of the night, or maybe she lives in the basement for the next couple of years. Like the rest of it is just going to be agony, and yeah. her getting away and laughing maniacally is just uh, it's like. Yeah, that, that's the only way you come out of that. This is where I'm going to have to disagree with the group. Um, 
I agree that she was a great actress. She did a good job. I do like, as you were saying, Don, you quoted girl power. I like when they give the female character a little bit more backbone. I found myself in the first movie just kind of hoping Sally would die just to get it over with. I was actually, you know, it was pretty obvious that Jessica Biel was going to get away in the end, but I was kind of glad to see her get away. I wasn't looking forward to seeing her die. So I found myself rooting for Jessica more than Sally. So that's why I'm going to give it to Jessica. Now, if you had to pick one of the movies, as painful as it might be, which one would you say you would, if they said, okay, we're going to watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which year would you point to? Which one's more rewatchable? Easy. The original. Original. TJ, I'm marking original for you. Yeah, but what I want to add is like, I don't know who watches the 2003 and thinks, man, I just want to rewind that one. Let's just buy more tickets. Let's get back in there. Rewatch that. <laughs> I do want to give the score because uh, the new one did get one point in one category. It had more kills than the first movie. It was five kills to eight kills. So yeah. that's the only point they get. Otherwise, it's seven to one. The, the original wins the award. All right. So the original wins out of the two. Which one would you watch? Not that it was a, a, a big contest or, or, or even close in the voting. They say that this was based on true events. And the reality of it is that Leatherface was based on Ed Gein. <laughs> Basically, this was a man who, if you want a little background story on him. I don't. He grew up with a super religious mother and a very alcoholic father. The alcoholic father drank himself to death and left um, him and his brother Henry alone with the super religious mother. The mother showed a lot of affection towards Henry and not Edward. So Edward, one day when there was a big fire in their field, Henry mysteriously disappeared. They found him later asphyxiated. So Edward has always been suspected of killing his brother. So then it was just him and his mother. The mother went on to have a couple of strokes. She died, leaving Ed all alone, and then went on to start grave robbing and decorating the rest of the house with the bones and body parts that he found um, in his grave robberies. He made things like a belt out of nipples, human nipples. He sewed together different suits made of skin. Um, his depravity eventually got to the point where he killed two people including a tavern host or owner who he when the police found her at his farm she was hung up like a deer and he had stripped her down like taking all the skin off everything taking all the guts out and was getting her ready for whatever he was going to do he was actually the inspiration for movies like silence of the lambs because he actually made a female suit that he would wear he had made a mask out of one of the dead people. Um, so he inspired, you know, Leatherface. He inspired, you know, Silence Lambs. He inspired Psycho. Um, there's all these other, there's even a musical made out of the sky. And I think we should put that in the hat. All right. Uh, should we rate these bitches? I think so. How do we do our ratings, Ken? Well, we have a one to five scale that we use. So five chainsaws is that I am ready to fire that bad boy up right now. You know what? Yes, sir. I am ready right now to get that chainsaw out. What do we need whacking up? Let's get to it. I am game right now. And a one is, oh my God, what did I just do? I can't live with myself. I can never, ever kick it chainsaw again and a three is i think that okay 
Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. I'll get my chainsaw. Let's go. What, what, what are we whacking up? Who, who, who is this again? Uh, it doesn't matter. Let's, yeah. Okay. Are you still explaining this? What, what would a zero be? <laughs> a zero would be that uh, if you even show me a chainsaw, I am going to kick you in the fucking balls, and I'm going to take that chan- chainsaw and ram it so far up your ass that cutting the cheese is going to take a whole new meaning. Anybody want to write this first? Ken, do you want to go? Sure, why not? What the heck? The uh, the first Texas Chainsaw, like I said uh, at, at the outset, this is a raw watch, and it is a unique experience that I have not had in any other horror movie. It, it just feels a lot different than any other horror movie. I am seriously impressed with how well it has held up in watching it again recently. You know, it was every bit as good as what I remembered it, and it's it's certainly worth watching again. I uh, will give uh, the original a 3.5. As for the remake, the 2003 remake, it was uh, a very uh, boring watch. I felt no tension, as I said before, and all of the characters are forgettable. Uh, it's laughable at several points. The plot line of all of these extra characters is absurd and I am easily giving this one a one. All right. 3.5 and a one. John? Uh, I am glad I watched the first one. Uh, I'm glad I had the experience to see it. I feel like I got everything out of it that I could potentially get out of it. I also, um, like I said, I, I felt it was disturbing as enough that it went over my limit of being disturbing to the point where I have no desire to watch it again. If someone said, hey, do you want to come watch the original Chainsaw Massacre with me? I'm going to say, no, I think I'm going to pass on that. So unfortunately, I'm going to give the original a 1.0. For the sequel, even worse. I have no desire to see that. I agree with you, Don, that all of the characters were worthless. I was just basically waiting to see, okay, well, how are they going to kill this one next? Or what are they going to do to kill this one? Or how are they going to up the scale on this one? So really, I, I, I didn't get anything out of it. Don't need to see it again. If I want to go see a movie like it, I'm going to watch you know, one of the other slasher movies out there. So for that one, I'm even going to give a lower. I'm going to go one point. Or I'm going to go to a point five for that one. Uh, I thought that the 1974 version uh, will always go down as the movie that kind of started the whole genre of the slasher. And I appreciate how it was made, you know, for the time it was terrifying. And even now it can still be terrifying. And it, it all goes back to, it feels like you're watching a snuff film. Right. And so um, Leatherface isn't my favorite of the villains we have out there or even the villains we're going to talk about in this series. Uh, But he is, you know, disturbing and he is an icon. And there are people out there that absolutely love him. I do want to see I don't I don't know, TJ, if you've seen it, but I do want to see the 4K version of this film. Uh, just to see how they upgraded it and see what's what. It's not going to stop Sally from screaming any less, but I'd still check it out. And because the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is what it is, it will always be a classic in my book. So I'm going to go ahead and give the Texas Chainsaw Massacre a 2.5 right there in the middle. Uh, The remake, I don't know what else I can say about the remake that I haven't already said. I appreciate what the filmmakers were trying to do with taking this story and making it somewhat different and more and somewhat original. Uh, 
and being a remake at the same time. The problem is they just didn't do a very good job at it. Uh, everything annoyed me about it, so I'm going to give it a 0.5. You want to go to TJ next? Well, why would he get a rating? Is it going to factor into all the other ratings? Are you going to make a special column for him on the website? No, what I'd like to hear, his rating. I wouldn't. I don't give a fuck. I'm just going to cut it anyway. What would you think? <laughs> uh, your, your, your rating system is on rewatchability. And for that reason alone, I would give it a four out of five and not five out of five. Because it's not a movie that I'd want to watch in like quick succession of it. It's definitely a movie I'd love to show to anyone who has no context for it or hasn't seen it. I would sort of be like, oh yeah, we got to watch the original right now. Or like, we got to watch it soon. Um, like but that. yeah, but it is a movie where I, I, I agree with what you're saying, John, as far as like just the screaming of it, like... I am okay with like sitting down to watch this movie like once a year or, you know, just, just long breaks in between it. Um, and also just because like, for me, a really, really good movie is like something that you kind of savor. And it's like, for me, uh, even, even rewatching it. Um, I, I love the movie, but when we rewatched it, it almost felt like it wasn't the right setting for it. Cause like I was in between work and I really wanted to enjoy it. Um, it's a movie that you want to pop in when it's dark out, uh, when you don't really have like any sort of idea of what you're getting into. And if you're showing it to someone who doesn't know what they're about to get into, the, the treat is just the insanity that ensues and just watching all the chaos of, of this, you know, this unfortunate tragedy that befalls five, you know, teens in idyllic backwoods, Texas. And the remake to me, I, I would even go as far as to say as I want my time back. Um, it it reminds me a lot of the Psycho remake, where it's like practically the same story. I, the Psycho remake, obviously being like a shot for shot remake, um, but to me, um, like yes, you could say the filmmakers are making some like new decisions, but like it's by and large the same plot. Um, like it's got the same moments, uh, and it's just lamer. It's just everything about it is just lamer. Uh, the casting's worse, the soundtrack's worse, the pacing is worse. Uh, it's a grosser movie. I I wouldn't show this movie to anyone because I don't want anyone to watch Arlie Ermy joke about sexually assaulting a corpse. And I also don't want anyone to watch the wheelchair guy like grabbing that one girl's ass. Like that's just gross. I don't I don't need to see that on a TV. It's just the movie was excessive, it was boring. Two, which was odd to say that it was both excessive and boring. Um, yeah, just zero, absolute zero. There's nothing, nothing worthy. All right, so I think that's going to wrap it up for the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, the other films we have in store for you for this series is we are going to take a look at Friday the Thirteenth, A Nightmare on Elm Street, and we're going to wrap it all up with Halloween. The originals and the remake. So stay tuned for that. Uh, any final words on the Texas Chainsaw Massacre? I found that me watching uh, Top Chef, I watched Top Chef, <laughs> and having that in part of my regular rotation and then watching both of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies made for some very interesting dreams that I had. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, were you uh, chased by a guy who was all burnt up and had really long razor fingers? No, I was not. Oh, I must have been me. 
I thought he was going to go with that he had some new recipes he wanted to try. Oh, my God. That would have been even better. <laughs> that's funny. I think that's going to wrap it up. I want to thank our special guest, TJ. Uh, everything you said was dumb, and <laughs> I now feel more stupid for having to listen to you for all this time. But, you know. Hey, he you says- let me in. He says the same thing to me every week. You let me in. Yeah, that, well, that's true. That's my bad, right? I'm the one who said, hey, bring DJ along. Now, now <laughs> when he get out of the basement. So, hey, John, uh, where can they find us? They can find us at our website, www.3guysinaflick.com. Every popular and pretty much unpopular uh, podcasting hosting site, because I've thrown our thing up everywhere. In fact, I just added a couple more. Uh, they can find us on Facebook, Twitter, I think we have an Instagram account. Uh, we're going to get a TikTok account and make Don dance. That's coming soon. So look forward to that. Uh, I think that's pretty much it. All right. So I just want to thank our two faithful listeners uh, for checking us out and stay tuned. Well, one of them's here. TJ. He's not a faithful listener. How many, how many of ours have you listened to? I, I've listened to three. That's pretty faithful. Yeah. Really? Well, I listened to the Matrix. Is it? Uh, is it? You're gonna give him props for that? Hey, that's what two I, mo- yeah. two more than Ken's listened to. I've been spending a lot more time in the car. So. <laughs> oh, well played, dude. Well played. All right. Uh, so on that note, stay tuned for next week when we will be talking about Friday the Thirteenth for three guys in a flick. I'm Don. I'm John. And I'm Ken. Thanks for listening. You drive me up the fucking wall. And you, could you say less next time, please? You guys are fucking killing me. I do want to now go out. You know, it doesn't make me want to eat like vegetables and stuff, but it does make me want to go out and buy a chainsaw. Why? You can get a lot done with a chainsaw, man. I mean, like, you remember that bit when the Leatherface, the original movie when Leatherface is trying to get through the door and he can't quite open up the door handle? He just hacks that shit up. Well, which, right through. <laughs> which I thought, dude, now you got to replace the fucking well, door. I love that the older brother is like, look at what you did to the door. Yeah. <laughs> he couldn't just kick the door with those big Right? Feet. That's what I was saying. Well, yeah. If you no. got a chainsaw, I mean, every problem is just solved with the chainsaw. Yeah, I mean, but you're always fucking fixing shit then. <laughs> right i mean ah shit junior went through the fucking hallway again look at this fucking big slice yeah but look what ash williams did with the chainsaw all right dude stop bringing up evil dead it's not a good movie it's not a good series and we're not talking about it ever again uh, i think we will <laughs> all right fuck you all i love you good night